Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stories with Bree. I'm super excited about my guest today. Her name is Jasmine Washington, and she is going to share a little bit about herself. Please, Jasmine, introduce yourself to the podcast. So, like she said, my name is Jasmine Washington. I am currently a library program specialist with the Harris County Public Library. Um, I would say I've roughly like worked in like libraries for about I think it's been like about like three and a half years, I believe. And that's counting like my part-time experience. Mm -hmm. um, and right now I am in school and I'm working towards getting my degree, like my MLS, so that I can become like a full-fledged librarian. Yes, I'm so excited for you. Um, what school <laughs> do you attend, if you don't mind sharing? Um, I am going to the University of North Texas. All right. I went to UIUC. I graduated from the, well, it was called Gisless when I went. And now it's called iSchool. Um, but I graduated in 2016. So I've been a degree, like professionally degree librarian now. It'll be six years. Wow. In May. Um, oh yes, yes. And so I'm currently in a paraprofessional position as well. So I work as a technician. Um, but I am actively applying for librarian jobs um, and digital digitization jobs and stuff like that. So places, point, focal points of interest and things of that nature. But I'm super excited that you decided to be a guest on the podcast because it's not only just for librarians, but I remember when you asked me, you was like, well, are you taking library students? Absolutely. Because <laughs> I really want to, this podcast to also show as a point of advocating for people mm -hmm. that look like us, Black librarians, people that look like us, people of color, to know that this is a field that you can actually, you know, thrive in, be in, and you can go to school for it. And because we need more people, we need more people that look like us that that yeah. are placed strategically in these different communities and things of that nature. So I'm super excited to talk to you for the next hour and to get to know you better. So I like to start the podcast off with icebreakers. And so the first icebreaker that I always ask everybody that comes on is what was your if you can remember, what was your favorite childhood book? Um. So I would say that's kind of hard for me because like it's hard for me to say like what my favorites are because I usually have like a group of them. Mm -hmm. um, I think the things I are the things I remember uh, just really just reading from my childhood were like uh, like the Magic Treehouse series. Okay. Um, I remember reading like a lot of like Dr. Seuss because I still like back I grew up with my grandparents. So I still have like the little box set that they got for me. Okay. Um, I remember that. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers uh, that there was, I think it's still around. There was a, there's a children's magazine. It's called Highlights. Um, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Highlights. And so they used to offer um, like these books that you could uh, like subscribe to it was kind of like the it was like the subscription box before like what it is now yeah they would send you like uh, it would be like chapter books and I remember I would just be reading through those and it'd be like all these different um stories and things like that um I feel like the book that I feel like I now always refer to now is um it's called Amazing Grace um I believe the author is Mary Hoffman. Um, 
but I love that book. Um, I still have it. I kept that book because I'm hoping to pass it on to like my future kids Um, because it was one of those books where I saw myself in it Um, because you have this little black girl. uh, She's with her mom, but then she also has like her grandmother there too. It's also in the household. So that I feel like that resonated with me, like being raised by my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And then it was just the fact that like she had like this just active imagination. And I mean, when I was younger and even like still now, I just remember just I there would be days I'd just be sitting there just like daydreaming about things. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. And we actually have something in common in that regard. I was raised by my grandmother um as well. So okay. super excited to know that. I love to sometimes connect with people like that because I mean in the black community it's not a far cry away that we would be connected to our grandparents in that regard and them to be either very active in our lives or be almost a secondary parent I like Mm -hmm. to say that I have a triangle parent parental uh, instead of a circle I have a triangle where my grandmother is kind of the pivotal moment at the top which is my my dad's mom and then I have my mother and my father. So I have a triune um, parental system. And of course, I have my village outside of that. But the, the primary parent for me was not actually my parents who birthed me, mm-hmm. my grandmother. And so um, I was raised by a single grandmother. So I, and I definitely, there's a special place in my heart for those people, for those of us who were raised by our grandparents. Um, so you're a library student. You work in libraries. Yes. My question is, do you have a library card? If so, how many library cards do you have? That's <laughs> what I like to ask librarians. How many cards do you actually have? Um, so, okay, let me count. Okay, so I have, um, so I actually have three. Mm-hmm. So they're for three different systems. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm in Houston. So Houston, like the Houston, the Houston metropolitan area, it has different library systems. Everyone thinks they're all the same. That's always like the question um, that we get like, oh, I can't use this card here. No, this is a different system. Interesting. Um, Yeah. So I have a Harris County Public Library card. I have a Houston Public uh, Library card. And then I have a uh, Brazoria County Library card. Okay, yes, I love it. Come on, team library cards. I got three active cards too, girl. I feel so seen <laughs> right now. <laughs> I feel so seen. And I actually have three cards for the different um co- counties surrounding me as well. I have one for DC Pub, and then I have one for Arlington County and one for Alexandria County. And um, I'm thinking about trying to get one in uh, Maryland and some, and maybe, maybe one in New York. I'm going to see, I'm going to have to look into that, see if I can. But I, I got a lot of library cards. I have had library cards everywhere I've lived. I've gotten a library card. So I have a, a lot of them, including my library. I consider my college IDs library cards as well. So I have those two. So girl, I got a lot to look. I, I know nobody is topping me in that area and that's okay. I could be team too much all by myself. I'm cool with it. <laughs> I'm okay with it. So for you, are you a digital or pen and paper type of person? Um, so I feel like as weird as it sounds, I'm a bit of both. Oh, my 
okay. but it's in the respect of so for me like when I come in like from our work day and like when I have like different tasks like that like now I'm noticing myself like when it comes to organizing myself for the day and the different tasks mm-hmm. like I'm getting paper okay like, I take like a pen and then I have an index card mm-hmm. and um say there are certain projects that I'm like working on and things like that I kind of write the project name or whatever it is topic at the top okay. and then I'm writing down the tasks that needed to be completed so then I kind of have like my index cards there my desk and then I'm going through and I'm just marking off um oh yeah you step right in fully into that library and row full deep <laughs> yeah. so it's like so it's like okay like this this is what I'm doing. But at the same time, like sometimes I, mm-hmm. I do find myself being digital because if you, if you look at my notes, um, yes. you'll see ideas that I have and things like that. Cause it'll be like library program ideas or maybe like ideas for um, my libraries, like social media and things like that. Yeah. And so I end up just, I don't have a pen and paper near me right. to where I would write it down. So I end up just writing it down, like in my notes, in my phone, Cause I'm like, okay. And sometimes it like, it's fear. It's funny because like your ideas always aren't always going to come at work. Like I can be walking or be off somewhere like out with friends and I see something and I'm like, Oh, like that would be cool. And so then I start just like typing it down mm-hmm. just so I can like present it like later at my job. I'm like, well, what if we did this? Yeah. Don't, don't worry. Look, we are in full support over here with the notes app. I, I didn't tell Apple and I'm going to keep saying to Apple, if you want to sponsor me, by all means, I will be an advocate for the notes app for y'all. I mean, listen, I will take some Apple money. I'm just telling y'all, if y'all ever see this in any type of Apple persons, whatever, if y'all looking for somebody to sponsor the notes app here, hi, I'm Bree. Here's me. <laughs> listen, yes. listen, my notes app gets plenty of love. And I am more digital, but I am kind of like, I guess, ambidextrous is what we would call it. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I do use pen and paper to write out my budget every month. I have to mm-hmm. write it out. That's the one thing that I physically write out every time I have to budget. I write it out. And I know some people will be like, be like well, wouldn't that be the thing that you want to do digitally? No, mm-hmm. I have to physically write out. I need to see on paper where my money is going so I write my budget out every two weeks faithfully to see where my money is going and how it's being divvied out because listen I don't want no discrepancies I want to make sure everything is covered and we ain't got no time because ain't nobody got time to be outside (laughs) (laughs) so um my other icebreaker for you is who's your favorite author or writer um so and it could be more than one okay um so I'm gonna say more than one usually for me um I'm reading like YA Mm -hmm. um so I would say like first off like Angie Thomas she is um well loved here yes Nick (laughs) Stone well loved here um let me see who else uh Jason Reynolds Mm mm-hmm um let me see I'm like semi-cheating right now because my bookshelf is like right over here <laughs> so I'm like let me see. like it's like who do I have the most of <laughs> um so yeah I would say like I would say like they're they're like my top three because 
um they got me back into reading because I feel like you know how you go through that I would say like that dry spell yeah especially like when you're coming like out of college and all your reading was just for like classes and schoolwork and things like that yes yes <laughs> yeah so it was like you know even as like a I was a young adult in a sense but like an older young adult but like I just remember reading like the hate you give and like I was just I was just enraptured by that book and so it just got me back I feel like got me back into reading like actually going to a bookstore like perusing around like picking up things to just read yeah yeah um Jason Reynolds is actually this this is the first time he's popped up but he is still also well loved here on the podcast I do enjoy his writing um I think he's the national young young ambassador for the Library of Congress right now super dope super exciting I got a chance to really get deep dive into some of his content just watching some of the things that he's done at the library um and I, I enjoy how he does a really good job of engaging um the youth and engaging children and stuff so but uh Angie Thomas and Nick Stone well loved over here um saving dear justice dear Martin read those both of those very impactful books I've never, I have not, I don't remember, I may have, but I don't remember reading The Hate You Give yet. I did see the movie, but I haven't read the book yet, but it is on my TBR. You know, we live for a good TBR. <laughs> yes, uh, ever, ever growing, ever growing with TBR. Yes, I live for a good TBR. And I think I have some things in my collection, um, my home collection with that is by Angie Thomas though. And like I said, she has several books that are on my to be read list and so I, I'm just super excited that you know you're back into reading that you're loving reading that you're you're um fully engaged in that I sympathize empathize and understand what you said about you know reading in undergrad and stuff like that I've said on many uh episodes on this podcast I had the, uh, the bright idea to become an English major <laughs> and they had the job they were trying to get me to read all them books I said who because it ain't gonna be, it's, it's, it's not gonna be me. I was spark noting it up, sis. I ain't gonna lie to you. I was spark noting it up, but I, I came out on top. <laughs> God is good. So you're, you're in library school. You have not fully become a, a full-fledged librarian. Tell me your story. How did you get to library school? How did you make that decision to say, oh, this is something that I see as a career? Was there someone that was a librarian that you looked up to or influenced? How how did you get over here? How did you make this decision to say, I want to do this and this is what I want to do? Um, so I would first off say uh, being a librarian, it was like not the first thing that I wanted to do with my life it wasn't like I came like out of the womb or like graduated high school and I was like I want to be a librarian um that was not how it was right um honestly originally coming out of high school I was like I'm gonna be a psychiatrist because like I fell in love with the psychology class that I had and so I was like I'm gonna go for that I had researched I was like okay I would major in this but like I'm gonna try and be like on the Mm -hmm pre-med route and everything because that's going to be a specialty right so I get to college though and it's 
trying to do that and it's like okay this isn't working out and I'm just like med school is not going to be a thing that works out for me um, wait for trying yeah. <laughs> no ma'am <laughs> no so I was like okay but I was like I still enjoy psychology like what can I do with this like how can I use the study of psychology and make it applicable so I was like okay I'm going to go off and um, be a counselor so I went through undergrad I majored in psychology and sociology and then I went to graduate school okay so fun fact I actually have another degree or actually I already have like a master's I have my master's in counseling okay yeah so oh. I went through <laughs> I love double degrees over here I'm for it be a young educated black woman I'm for it sis I'm for it so I went through that and I was like okay and so then I like start working like in the field okay and that's when I like when I'm working in the field I'm kind of like okay like I don't think this is what I want to do and I even have to say like even when I was in my master's like towards the end like there was a little doubt in me I was like do I still want to do this right and I just want to say that just so like people well, no, it's okay to like have those little doubts. Like even when you're in the midst of your program, like that's okay. Trust, I, like, trust, I understand. <laughs> yeah. To like have that. So I'm like, okay, but like, I'm a person also like when I start something, I want to finish it. Mm-hmm. So went through the program, finished it, graduated, got my degree. And then I started working. Well, when I started working, I was working as like a mental health caseworker mm-hmm. because the where I was working it was going to allow me to get like my hours because you have your degree but to be a fully like professional counselor you have to get licensed you have to get hours hours, things like that yeah but it was like in that job like after a while like I was just not happy like I was just at like a low point Mm -hmm. um I was very depressed I was anxious um with that job full transparency with that job I got to the professional way I got terminated from that job but weirdly enough it happened and people were like are you okay like are you okay and I was just like I'm fine and I felt like it because it was like a relief for me yeah and so I was like okay and so then from there I was like okay what am I gonna do next so I was like immediately just started applying for jobs. So I was like, I need something. I mean, like there's still bills to pay. Like I, I need to get something. Um, so for a minute there, I was thinking about like teaching. I started looking into like the alternative um, program and like was looking at that and like working on that. Mm-hmm. And so while I was doing that, I was like substitute teaching, but I was also working at uh, like Barnes and Noble. Okay, yes yeah so I was doing my life is parallel this is ridiculous it's too much too much but continue I was working at Barnes and Noble and substitute teaching I'm like okay and I'm going through it but I was like okay I'm working these two part-time jobs I'm like I need something I was like I need something else I need something full-time like I need benefits like that type of thing yes I need security period yes and so I was like, okay, and I'm like, where? And so I'm like, okay, where do I want to apply? So that's what I was thinking about. I was like, where do I want to apply? Like, where do like I want to go to? 
And so I thought back to when I was in graduate school and for a little period of time, I was working part-time in the library. Mm-hmm. And I remember I enjoyed that and that was something um, that I liked. And then I just also remember just when I was in that mental health casework job mm-hmm. and like I was hitting like those low moods of depression. I remember it was like a reading that kind of like brought me back. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I, th- I was like, I want to do something like in the library. Like, I think that would be great. Like, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've always wanted to work with like young people, like with youth. Okay. So I ended up applying. So then I worked, ended up getting a job with like the Houston Public Library. And I was a youth library service specialist. Okay. And from there, I was kind of like, okay, like, I like this. And I was kind of like, at that point, I was kind of like, okay, I like this. But I was also, I knew like for me to kind of like to move up or to Mm -hmm. like be like a full-fledged librarian, like I need to go uh, to library school. Right. Um, So I worked that job and then I ended up uh, switching into the job I currently have now. And it was while working um, this job, I was kind of like, you know what, like I'm, I'm just going to do it because I've been putting it off mm-hmm. and I was like why don't I just do it why don't I just go through like I just I'll just apply like just do it and so I finally like ripped off that band-aid um and so I applied for library school and so that's where it started I started in the fall of 2021 so the okay. end of last year yeah so how much long do you have to graduation um I don't know yet I'm still like okay. figuring that out because it's very because it's very much like we're on our own um and for my classes like I have them all like online so it's very much me like being self-paced um it's like you check in with the advisors like here and now okay. and things like that um so I don't know just yet I I will also am being transparent I will say like for like this past semester I did have to like take a step back and take a break just because like personal things were going on and just it was overwhelming and it felt too much Mm -hmm. um but I am planning like I'm going to be back in the fall okay well I mean listen it's better to take care of yourself than to not take care of yourself until you get and get to that point of crisis we don't want that and as a counselor you you know that all too well and Um, like I said, our life is super parallel. This is a little scary. Like I, um, I have two bachelor's degrees. I have one in English and one in psychology. So in undergrad, I was an English major and a psych major. I also worked at Barnes and Noble for very temporary parts for part-time temporarily, um, maybe three years ago, enjoyed it. Might actually try to go back to work there just so I can get the discount, you know, cause I like to discount. Listen, I'm just going to be honest about me. I might try to go back so I can get this discount. Um, <laughs> and I, and uh, I did enjoy working there. Um, and then I too had decided whether or not I wanted to, I originally wanted to do like counseling stuff. I wanted to go to law school, decided mm-hmm. not to do law school. Um, then I was like, okay, well maybe I'll become a, a, a counselor or a clinical researcher. I was like, I don't want to take the GRE. So maybe I'll just do social work. And so it was between social work and librarian school. And then I had a librarian. She was like, well, I got a job at the library. She was like, well, I'm going to convince you to go to library school. And 
she didn't have to do too much convincing because I was already making those decisions anyway. And for a long time, I didn't even know that, you know, you could go to school to be a librarian. And so when I did that research, I was like, oh, I can go to school to be a librarian. I ain't got to take the GRE. I'm so like, like y'all just do it based off of my GPA and all of that. So I was like, okay, cool. So she didn't have to do too much convincing. I also did my library degree online. Um, with our program, however, our program is basically a virtual classroom. So you, even though I'm taking it online from anywhere, I still have to be present for those however many hours the class was, and we had instructors, we had all of that. So I actually thoroughly enjoyed it because I was kind of weary about whether or not I wanted to do an online program because I know for me, it's hard to, it would be hard for me to kind of focus in that type of environment but it worked out for me for what it worked out. Now it's now I'm a little bit different. I can do online courses and do self-paced and stuff like that. But at the time I was like, yeah, that's not gonna fly for me. So I was grateful that my program was set up the way that it was. Amazing teachers, amazing programs. I think it was number one. I don't know if it's still number one. It was the number one program when I was going there mm-hmm. um, in the country. And so I was super excited about that. Um, and low key, I almost quit library school because they do at the beginning of this program, and I don't know if they still do it, they do this boot camp where you take a full course in one week. And that course was rough. And it almost knocked me out. And I was just like, I remember calling my grandmother and I was like, grandma, this is hard. This is rough. I didn't pay my money. We didn't pay this money to get me here. Because at the time you had to travel for just that one week. You had to go up to the campus to stay on, to basically stay near campus to go, go through this boot camp. They eventually stopped making people come. Um, they were ahead of the curve when it came to, to COVID things and stuff like that. It was way before COVID. But um I was, I think, the last group that they required to come to campus. But I remember calling my grandmother, and this is exclusive. I don't think I've ever told anybody this story. So I was, I remember calling my grandmother, and I was saying to her, Grandma, I don't think that this is going to work. I think I'm going to come home. I think I'm going to be done. I'm not, this is, like, way more than what I, you know, signed up for. This is really rough. I was just having some, some a tough time. And I also think that I was also bumping up against some 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 racism a little bit, some some prejudices and things of that nature that was happening there as well. Because the library world, the library profession is not, you know, even though we our core job is to create diverse spaces and things of that nature, we're still we're we're still not far from having discriminatory practices and prejudices and things of that nature, you know, in the profession. And so I I do feel like there were some things that were happening also that were kind of like, not necessarily beneficial to my success that were happening at the time. And so I remember calling her, I was crying. I was, I think I was in my car and I was just having a moment. And she was just like, basically she encouraged me. She was like, you have never been a person to give up on anything like and she's like just okay you're a little uncomfortable well what we doing basically my grandma was like uh no no you just you just you just spent this money we didn't pay this money you you know all of these things she's like no well no we're not doing that see it through 
you like you can get through it. And so I got and I and I did. I got through it and I ended up graduating in a year and a half because I was like, I'm not gonna be here forever. And I don't have that kind of money. I'm trying to get in and out of here. I'm not trying to accumulate extreme amounts of debt. I already got debt. You know what I'm saying? And so it was just a whole thing. I all like I literally was almost didn't make it <laughs> through the first week of the program. But once I got past that, it was mm-hmm. cool sailing from there. Excellent courses and some class spaces, things of that nature. But it was it was just a, it was a whole thing. But I do remember that being a part of the journey that it's not easy, but anything we do in life, it's never easy. It's just your capacity, your tenacity about getting it done and doing it successfully. So I, I understand that. I do understand that sometimes you need to take breaks and you need to take frequent breaks and life don't stop happening because we want to be successful you know, it, it keeps going, <laughs> you know, things keep happening. And so you still, I still had to do life. I still had to go forward because I was only working a part-time job in a library at the time. And yeah. then since we here, just tell my whole story. So we take sense to being honest and transparent. I had, my boss's boss was making it difficult at the time for me to be successful too, because I was working a part-time job and I was only working I actually wasn't even working 30 hours a week. They were only giving me 29 hours a week because if they gave me 30, they would have had to give me benefits. The things we do to keep from people having, you know, a good life, a better life. And so they didn't want to give me the 20, they only gave me 29 hours because at the 29th hour, then you could prevent you from having to pay, of course, health insurance and all of those different Mm -hmm. things. So I only was paying working 29 hours a week, but they wanted me there every day. I had no off days. I was working Monday through Friday, 29 hours a week. And then I was the person that was the nighttime manager. And so I was working from like, I would come in at like 12 o'clock. First off, if you know me and you're getting to know me, I am not really afternoon, evening type of person. I rather get up with the birds chirping, mm-hmm. what I got to do, and then be done by three, four, be three or four o'clock. Girl, they had me coming in. So I'm already irritated because I've, I've accepted this job anyway because I had a need at the time. So I had okay. to take that position because I was unemployed. Um, and so I had, it was just fresh out of undergrad. It was like, and then I was like a month later, I was unemployed and then I needed a job. And this is the job that presented itself. In the interview and everything, I made it clear in the interview process that I plan to go back to school made it clear I would I didn't go in there I didn't lie to nobody I didn't pretend like I I I, I made it clear from day one that I plan to go back to school so I'm grateful to get this part-time job but let let it be known that I'm going my schedule will probably need to adjust at some point because I plan to go back to school I guess they thought that I was lying to them (laughs) when I said what I said when I said it because people just don't be I guess people think that you know nobody's really that straightforward you know things might change no when I tell you I'm going to do something more than likely I'm going to do the thing that I told you because I consider myself to be a person that walks in integrity and so a year later like I said I I applied for schools and stuff like that I got into the school this and this and you know I, I'm not even gonna tell y'all what her race and stuff was and 
she oh because I don't want nobody to be you know judging it wasn't a way isn't it wasn't I will say that she was not white let's just make that clear the person that was giving me this hard time the person that advocated for me to get into the program however was a white woman appreciate her loving boss great but the person who was giving me this hard time was not a white woman <laughs> and so I just want to make that clear because sometimes we be thinking like oh it's always now sometimes it'd be people that might look like me <laughs> that might give me a hard time trying to navigate through life and do through being successful. So she literally told told my boss like, oh, we can't afford her for her to, or we can't allot her to be able to take classes because I had to work my class schedule around my work schedule. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well then I'll just try to take night classes but some of the classes that were required for me to get my degree were only offered at a, in during the day and so I was trying to get some adjustments going to my schedule and stuff she would make it very hard for me to get any adjustments then on top of that they decided to extend the hours and then now I don't want to say that it was intentionally done but they decided to extend the hours and so now when I would traditionally work from this time to this time, now I have to be here later because you've decided all of a sudden that you want to extend the, the nighttime hours, but you don't, you still don't want to give me more than 29 hours a week. You won't, you know what I'm saying? So, and nobody wants to adjust their schedule. Not the full-time people that work here that get benefits and stuff like that. They don't want to change their schedule. They don't, nobody wants to make these adjustments for them to at least take one night a week. Girl, it was a whole thing. So I was going through all of this while also trying to get my library degree and so like I have a when I say I got a story to tell about the things that I've been through (laughs) listen as the songwriter says but um yeah so that was a whole thing but I, I navigated through that then on top of that in the midst of me being in library school I get laid off the state of illinois starts going through this um that was during that time when they start going through these budget issues and stuff like that so the part of the 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 job that i'm working is grant funded naturally we're going to cut all of the grant programs out to try to save on the budget so then i get laid off then i have to go through these whole situation of now the state of illinois doesn't want to give me unemployment because i'm a full-time student and as a full-time student, you don't qualify for, it was a whole ordeal. I was laid off. So that last semester of my library degree, I was laid off for, so I had been laid off for like six months. Oh my God. So my last semester of my library school, I had no job. Um, so from like November to May, I didn't work for six months. I was just in school. So I'm trying to figure out how to pay bills, all of these different stuff, you know, and I'm a Christian. So by the grace of God, things did get taken care of. I wouldn't be where I am now without that story. But, and then I moved on from there. I graduated from library school and then I end up getting this internship and I got an internship, worked there for a year. And then things have been kind of, of course, there have been some things there, but Things have been progressing from that point on. But so I it, I said all that to say, I I, I understand where you yes. are and I understand your story, understand what the things that you have to kind of like navigate through as you go through library school. So it's, it's I guess this is to encourage people that to know that 
it's not going to be perfect. But if your ultimate goal is for you to become a librarian, you never know when those stories might help one of your customers as they come into the library. You know, you never know how something that you've been navigating through or you've been dealing with might help one of the patrons or whatever that that you're working with, whoever you're working with, which has been beneficial because I, I know stuff now, <laughs> you know, and a, as a librarian, it's all about gather, gather, gathering information. It's all about, you know, having um, an arsenal that you can pull from to help customers and to help people, which makes it essential for people like us who know struggle, who know things that they've had to navigate through to be in those spaces. Um, so for you, I'm going to navigate us into another question. You work in libraries now. You still get You're in school. You're in the process. As a person who works in a public library system, Mm-hmm. What does, or what would you consider your ideal library to look like? What would your ideal library look like? Whatever, whatever you got to say, lay it out. <laughs> um, oh, ideal library space. Um, first off, I would say. All I can say is big. I can't really say like exact like square footage <laughs> That's and right. like that. Um, but I would just say I I want to say just like big. Um, you know, I mean, if it happens to be like a couple stories, that's fine. If it's just one level, that's fine. But I just think big to where there's I feel like where there can be spaces for people, um, somewhere where there's like a lot of uh, computers. We have like a lot of shelf space. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like study rooms and meeting rooms available for people. Um, I think it'd be cool. I haven't seen this. I really haven't seen it yet. I mean, someone can correct me and maybe they can tell me, but like if there was kind of like a performance space, oh, um, like in a library, like I think that would be really cool because like sometimes I think about how like I, I think it'd be cool to just like bring something like to bring performances to the library just so nice. people can experience like something different and you know with the library like it's always going to be for free so it's like you get to ex- experience live music for free or maybe like theater or anything yes. like that for free I like to have that um I think it have like a maker space because um, we have that at like the location I work at and it's been pretty cool to uh, like just go through and like learn like the different machines. Yeah. Um, have it filled with like charging stations because that's always needed. Um, maybe have the children's space like oh. off by itself a little bit just because they get a little loud and like people... I think when people think of the library, they still think of that, like, where you're, like, yes. like everything is quiet, and it's just, like, no, that's, like, not how Libraries it goes. Libraries are like, supposed to be noisy, in my, in my mind. They're yeah. supposed to be active. Nobody want to come in no dead space. I mean, it's okay to have, like, a quiet room or something like that, mm-hmm. but it needs to feel like there's life. There's, it's something happening in here. Yeah, so it's just, like, <laughs> so it's, like, have that so they can kind of just I feel like freely just like be able to make that noise um and then wherever the library would be located I I think it'd be great if it could be located near just like I don't know if I would guess say like a field or like a park 
okay to be able to have um they have like some of that green space okay gotcha because there's because i'm in the city right so in being in the city there's like a lot of like concrete and things like that and like hard surfaces but i feel like it'd be nice to be able if like we were able to just like have like a green space because it stinks sometimes whenever like say i think about something i'm like oh this would be cool and i'm like oh we could do this outside but then it's like we can't where we're located we can't do it directly outside we're surrounded by like parking lot so it's like okay where is um where's like the closest park right and going through that whole process of like asking them like for permission and things like that like is it okay like a blessing like can we do this over right. here um so my ideal library it would also like there would be like either a park or like a green space mm-hmm. um near that's nice so, yeah so if if I could find a library that has like all of those things I feel like I'd be set I'm pretty sure there's one out there. I know that one of my favorite library branches, a part of the system that I'm um, a patron of, it actually is attached to a theater. Um, it's not, I don't think they, they do, I don't think they do free programming at the theater, but it's attached to a theater. So it's, um, an, a, they're in the same building. So it's an extension of it. And I think that that's really cool because that was the first time that I've ever seen something like that where the library is next door to like a live theater. Uh, where they do shows and plays and stuff. I haven't actually booked a play or went to see one of the plays yet, but I plan to because I love live theater. I I do. So a woman after my own heart. So I would definitely attend your library. I'd be like, I'm all in here. This is nice. nice. Like they got the live music to, you know, show me something. I I would love it. Thoroughly enjoy it. And I, I, that's some of the things that I like about that the Library of Congress does because they they have this type of programming where, you know, they do the Gershwin Prize. They they have, you know, live Arthur Talks and stuff like that. And sometimes they do, I think during the summer, they do like music fest and things of that nature. So it's really nice. Um, and I, I it's nice to be near it and be adjacent to it. And so for so moving on to, I guess, our next question. That was a good answer. Good answer. Um environment invite I don't want to ask that question I think I want to ask you how can a librarian positively impact their community what do you think that they can do um I think to positively impact their community mm-hmm. I feel like they need to be someone that's willing to like to listen Yes, I think they need to be someone that's willing to be like an active listener because I think like first off like without that like I don't think you're going to be able to like meet the needs of the community because as libraries that's like essentially who we're serving is like the community that's surrounding us. Yes. Um, so I think you need to be able to be an active listener. Um, I think you need to be someone who's able to uh be adaptable to any type of situations that arise. Um, I think you need to be someone uh, that kind of is ahead of the curve in a sense. Yeah. And so you're kind of on the trend of like what's going on and what's happening. And I think you also need to be someone like that's personable. Um, you need to build upon like your connections that you have in the community. Like, I think that's important. Like it's, 
like outreach is an important thing I think for a library and it helps you connect with your community because there are some people they're not going to be able to like make it out to that building you know the building can be beautiful and great but there are some people they're just not going to make it out to that but um you know just going out there and meeting people where they're at and I feel like just treating them uh like with respect yeah treating them how they want to be treated um you know just being like empathetic being understanding uh just being compassionate I think those are the things in ways in which like a librarian is going to be um I would say like successful can be successful with their community because I remember from something from one of my classes I think they talked about and I don't think I ever thought about it but like kind of like you try when to cut when you want to try to build kind of like a reciprocal relationship mm -hmm. like with your community and who you're serving um so it's kind of like they I feel like because we serve them they help us stay around Yes. because they help but they you know they're kind of like the justification like this is why we're here exactly um but you know then we also need to extend like whatever services and resources that we can to them I agree. Um, so I feel in that way like you just kind of build upon like that reciprocal relationship like we serve you and then like you serve us in the sense that you give us the justification to be here I agree I come I completely agree. <laughs> you know, most libraries are state funded, which means that people are paying their taxes. So you want to make sure that you're creating programming, you're creating things that will directly impact that community. That community. Um, and how important do you think library programming is in that regard? Um, so... <laughs> It's like with my title, I'm a library program specialist. So it's like, she should think it's pretty important. Um, <laughs> but even like, but I feel like even like without this title, I think that programming is important because programming is how you get people in the building. Programming is how you serve the community. Programming is how you entertain, educate, um, and engage. And that's something that I learned from like one of my coworkers, like he told me that he's like, you know, when you're looking at your programming, you like look at certain factors and it's like, what is it that we're trying to do here? Like, are we trying to entertain? Are we trying to engage with them? Are we trying to like educate them? So I feel like programs can, are important, you know, because when you take outside of um, what people usually come in for, because these are just my observances from the daily. Mm -hmm. So most people, they come in, um, they want to use the computer. They're wanting to check their email. They're wanting to scan. They're wanting to make copies. Um, they're, they're coming in, picking up like their holds, um, checking out books, checking right. out DVDs, CDs. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have those things. Right. But then like you also have programs that can be integral for like a person's development. So for me, like one of the programs that I do, um, I co-lead like a baby time. Really? I do that like every, yeah, and I do that like every other week. I love it. It's one of like the joys of my week when I have it that week. Um, but I feel like something like is baby time, like that's important. They're sitting here and they're learning rhymes and like finger plays. We try to incorporate like sign language. So that's helping like with those fine motor skills, but also like 
because if you look at like the past two years, we've been in COVID, we've been in a pandemic. Right. Some of these like babies, <laughs> you know, they've been in these pandemic times. Yes. So there's also the fact that like they haven't been able to like see other people. They're social and, like, and to socialize. And that's integral. That's a that's important because as humans, we're social beings. Yes. And so it's I feel like for me, like it's been great to see like I some of these babies like slowly like open up and they're starting to become like more social they're not clinging on to like mom you know as much anymore like now like they're actually like you know they're smiling like they're happy like to see like Miss Jasmine or like you know they're smiling like at this other baby you know like oh like who are you like hey so like hello other person that's small like me yeah (laughs) So, you know, it's like when I think of that, like, I think that's important. Like, we're starting up, like, a um, the children's librarian there, he's training, like, the family place libraries. We're going to start having that. That's going to just allow children to play. We're going to be bringing in, like, different specialists, like a speech pathologist and a pediatrician. And they all get to come in and, like, they'll introduce themselves. Mm-hmm. And it allows them to just kind of mingle with the members of, like, the community. But then it also allows those community members, like, to ask any, like, questions, like, they may have mm-hmm. in regards to, like, their child's development. And for some people, like, that may be like the only chance like maybe they get with someone who specializes in something like that or maybe that can be like the tipping point um absolutely for them to look into like what is actually going on like with my child um you know we also have like the tax services right now I consider that a program like free tax services that's a program um the ESL classes I consider that a program that's important citizenship classes that's important I consider that a program um just so just things like that like I'm like I think programs are important because I think programs are also will what continue to bring people around because for some people they might not be coming for a book but they're coming for that baby time or they're coming for that citizenship class Mm -hmm. um you know they're coming for those things and people need that um any type of way that we can I feel like provide like services for people like let's do that like for me and my mom when I do programs like I want them to be like fun programs I'm more of like a fun person I love to educate you know education is important um but also like us to like have fun too yeah gotta have fun and I just think that's I just think that's important and I think everyone should be able to have access to be able to have fun I'm also a person I think because of like my counseling background like I want people to be able to like have resources and to know of resources so if we are ever able to like get in touch with anyone in the community where they can come in and people can ask them questions let's do things like that because this person may not be able to do that exactly exactly and i i agree with you and i'm glad that you guys have all of those amazing resources available to your to your customers um i'm, I'm trying to 
train myself to say customers now because I know the library world is switching over their wording and stuff and it's hard to get away from traditionally saying patrons and stuff like that yes. work customers I'm like customers 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 I have to think about it so I can get it out because the the we're changing we're trying to because they are in many ways our customers and to me, I feel like Paige is just a little bit more fancy and formal, um, but I understand it. I understand the need to try to switch it over, but it, I'm getting there. I, I'm a work in progress. So as we prepare to kind of like wind down this hour, first off, thank you for being here. This has been an amazing and enlightening conversation, and I have really thoroughly enjoyed myself this entire time, but I do have two more questions for you. One question is, growing up, did you see librarians who look like you? So, growing up, I grew up in a small East Texas town. Okay. There was only one library. I only saw one librarian that looks like me. Really? Um, her name, her name was Miss Andrea. Okay. Um, hey, Miss Andrea. <laughs> I know, I'm like, if she ever sees that she's out there, hey. <laughs> um yeah I only saw one and so it was just her and so that's all I've seen and known she was very sweet she always helped me you know like with my projects and things like that whenever I had like printing and stuff and I feel like she even like helped me um you know when I used to volunteer at the library for like service hours and things like that when I was in school okay um but yeah, like, so from growing up, she is like the only one I remember, like that looked like me. Okay. Yeah. That's, I'm actually grateful that you have one because a lot of people have come on and they was like, no, I haven't really. And I thought it was like, I know I was very fortunate because I grew up watching and seeing black librarians all around me. Um, I had no clue at the time that at some point I would actually become one of them, uh, become a part of this elite squad of librarians. But I was, it was nice to see that because I do recognize that a lot of people are not fortunate enough. And when you look at the statistics and demographics of this field, you see that you know we're we're short in number, we're small in number, especially when it comes to Black people who are actively working in this role, which kind of transitions me into my last question is what is one thing or two if you have it but what is one thing you believe the profession can do better in terms of creating a DEI work environment um, I guess I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like one thing I would say go ahead girl say, say what you got to say <laughs> It's like trying. It's like trying to choose my words because, like, okay, how are you? Safe space. You safe here. Go ahead. I guess I would say to maybe like incorporate training that I feel could that will actually stay with people and that will actually engage people, and for it for it to not just be like say like a video. Like if we actually have like maybe like workshops and things like that, mm -hmm. um, I feel like that would help in creating that like D, E, and I like uh, space in libraries. And then I also feel like when it comes to like these matters, I feel like there should be either like a safe space or possibly like maybe someone like appointed 
that say when these matters happen or something regarding these matters happens, like within our system, there's someone that like we can turn to or like that we can come to. And I feel like someone's going to say like, oh, like that'll be like HR. And I'm kind of like, like, and and I'm kind of like, you know, but also like that also depends and like, depending on like what system you work in, whether they're actually going to um, handle that. It's just, I feel like that and maybe possibly just starting to have just like more committees like surrounding that. Yeah. And I think just having more of a discussion of like when we look at DEI I feel like especially like when we're looking at like diversity like you know like an inclusion like what all does that entail because I feel like when people so I feel like say because I even I'm still I feel like working on it to myself and like learning diversity and inclusion it's like okay so what does this look like I feel like the main thing people go to is like oh like race and it's like okay like it's not it's not just race. There's like race, there's culture, there's socioeconomic status, um, there's like disability status, there's like sexuality, there's like all these different mm-hmm. encompassing things when we when we're talking about this. Yes. Um, so I feel like it's trying to, I feel like kind of break people away from like whenever it's just like observing people and just seeing them and they're like, oh, like diversity, and it's like. Oh, just more like black people, just more these, you know, Asian people, just more Latin people. No, it's not just about that. It's about really fostering an environment where all kinds of people can come, feel safe, feel secure, don't feel profiled. That you know, there's some sensitivity there. There's some grace, some compassion about the folk that are in that space. So yeah, I understand. But continue um, with everything else that you had to say, girl. Get let it all out. Say what you got to say. <laughs> um but yeah I just feel like just making just making a space for that because I will say like in my position mm-hmm. right now I'm a, like I'm a part of a committee and it's called like the inclusivity and programming committee okay. and I like it because it's nice because what we're trying to do is basically kind of build I'm not going to say database, that's not the right word, but kind of like build up these referrals and resources mm-hmm. so people have them there so that they're able to say like bring different types of programming like to the library and like throughout the library system. Mm-hmm. It's trying to make sure that all of these say like different groups that they're being included and that they're being highlighted like within the programs that we provide to our communities. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, it's like breaking it down where like, okay, someone's going to look at this or someone's going to look at this and someone's going to look at this. Mm-hmm. And so it's going through and doing like the research so that we can have those things so that, um, you know, different groups can be highlighted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't just stick to, you can't just stick to like one group and right. think like, oh, okay, like, oh, we're covered. Like, we're good. Like, no, there's there's multiple layers to it yeah you know? absolutely so I, I, I fully agree with you on all of it all the things that you just said and I definitely agree that there needs to be although we are making progress I you understanding that the surface level is not as far as you can take it because you know during the height of the pandemic and all of these different things even though all of the, this stuff was happening prior to that there was like a rush to like everybody for everybody to jump on board 
to, to create and foster these diverse equity inclusive spaces. Everybody was putting out their, their memorandums. Everybody was putting out their, their banners across their job boards and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, that's cool. But are you really doing it? Or are you just writing this stuff down on paper so it'll look good, so it'll look right? But so how are you actually rechanging and reorganizing and restructuring your infrastructure to make sure that this is not something that you're just saying, but you're not actually doing? And so um, those are the questions. Those are the questions that I want answers to. <laughs> exactly, because I would love to do like, like a check-in and I think that's something that probably needs to happen too is to kind of just have like annual check-ins to just mm-hmm. see like where where are we where are we in terms of like these goals that we stated at such and such time where are we in terms of this like what progress like have we made towards this mm-hmm. I think you need to do a check-in with that mm-hmm. because it is kind of like you said I remember when it was at the height of everything and everyone was coming out with all these statements and everyone was wanting to put a rush and like to do all of these things and it's just kind of like okay like mm-hmm. thank you for the show but uh, when's the real work going to begin when is the real progress going to happen mm-hmm. what are we actually doing to move towards that yes girl listen but we'll be here all night talking about this so (laughs) and i want us to be here i'm gonna get off my soapbox because i i fully agree with you and i stand with you sis on that um like i said jasmine thank you so much for coming do you have any social media sites or anything that you would want anybody to follow you at um please drop it now and let let the people know um so we'll say uh i do have like a bookstagram account and it's called am i already following you i think you are maybe it's um it's called a trip through the pages i feel like i might be following you and didn't realize it (laughs) if not i'm about to follow you now you said a trip through a trip through the pages it should be me in like a little yellow dress that's my current profile picture okay i'm gonna look for you it's through is spelled t-h-r-o-u-g-a yes yes i spelled it all the way through okay so it didn't pop up for me uh-uh we gonna have to find you on bookstagram i should be i know i'm following you if you're following me then i'm gonna look through my followers because what we ain't finna do is that <laughs> <laughs> we ain't finna do that we're not gonna not follow you Mm. oh okay I do have okay so it's like underscore ah. through the pages underscore sorry my bad my bad everybody listen listen listen, <laughs> listen just was trying to have us out here just was trying to have us out. I'm like girl I don't see you <laughs> I, that's so funny but okay so I'll find it and I'll definitely ah yes I am following you okay Girl, I didn't realize that was you, Jasmine. Oh my God. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> we met online already. <laughs> that's so funny. Thank you. So I'm gonna make sure that that's at the bottom and that people will be able to follow you. And um, y'all go follow her bookstagram. Stop playing. Go follow her bookstagram. But as always, like I said, thank you so much. Thank, thank you so for much for being here. Oh, absolutely. Okay, y'all, have a good weekend. Thanks for watching.